0: Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Turns me to John 3.16, maybe a verse that you know. I don't know if you've ever referenced this one before, if you've ever looked this one up. Deborah has no idea what John 3.16 is, so we're going to help her out this evening. (laughs) John 3.16. Now we're going to put it up on the screen. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Aren't you grateful for that? For God so loved that he gave his only begotten Son. I tell you, what a blessing it is. He made a choice to love us. He made a choice then to do something about our situation. I'm grateful for that. And so, you know, this uh, scripture says, for God so loved that he gave, and Hannah took the scripture away for me too fast. I was reading there on the back wall. For God so loved the world that he gave. So we can see here that giving is the highest expression of love. When you love, you give. And a lot of people, you know, they think of giving and, 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 and they think of monetary things. Really, giving can involve lots of areas of our lifetime, energy. Effort. Really, time is our number one resource that we have, is the, the time that we have. It's the only thing we can't get back. You can make money back. You can regain your health. You can't get back time. But all of those things are a part of giving, and God so loved the world that he gave. It's safe to say that our Father is a giver. He is a giver. He gives, gives, gives. A couple of other scriptures. We'll look at 1 Timothy six seventeen. 1 Timothy six seventeen It says, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who what? Who gives us all things to enjoy. Romans chapter 8, in the 31st verse. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him, in addition to him, also freely give us all things? Notice he did not spare, he did not withhold, but he freely gave. Like I said, God is a giver. It's, it's the character of God. It's the nature of God to be generous to bestow on others, to prefer others above himself, to look out for the benefit of others. That's who God is. He's a giver. And like I said, I'm I'm grateful that's the case because he has done a lot of giving in my life. He's done a lot of giving in all of our lives, but I'm just glad he doesn't spare. One Bible says he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So he has thought of every single detail. God is a giver. And so tonight I want to just uh, talk a little bit for a few minutes here. It's uh, 7.20. I want to talk about the fact that God's a giver and we should be givers as well. Jesus in Matthew 10.8, I'll just quote it to you. He was talking to his disciples. He was sending them out and giving them instructions, you know, lay hands on the sick and and these things he was telling them to do. But in the last part, the second half of verse 8, he said, freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received and so freely give. He was just telling them, listen, all of these things that you have in your life, all of these, uh, the endowments that were given to them, the, the, the right, the authority, all the power that had been placed in them. He said, listen, you've been given these things freely. So what? Freely give those things as well. You know, the idea of it's too much to give should not be a part of our vocabulary. That something is too great or costs too much or is too too dear should never be a part of who we are. In what we say, when it comes to, our, to giving, we're supposed to look like him, to act like our father, to, to be imitators of him. And if he's a giver, then we should be givers as well. And like you said, people think immediately about money. How many know that our money matters and where we, what we do with it matters? You know, we've been talking about vision and vision uh, lets us see. It gives us clear insight on what God's doing, and that helps set parameters. It sets boundaries for our life. It sets boundaries for what we do with our not only our, t- our money, but our time, our energy, all of those things. And um, in the area of giving in our life, there shouldn't be anything that's off the table, anything that's too much, anything the Lord asks us to give. We have the, uh, the ability to give and to give largely in these areas. And so, like you said, the idea of too much really shouldn't be a part of our vocabulary. It should be something that uh, that we never say, that we never believe. You know, you can put a limit on what God can do through you or will do through you just by simply putting on uh, parameters or putting putting him in a box as far as what's capable. You know, I think of different people that I've known. I mean, you think of the ministry of, of Kenneth Hagin. And obviously that was our spiritual grandfather around here was my dad's spiritual father. And we went to Rainbow Bible Training Center and, uh, with Brother Hagen when he was still with us. And I mean, he came from a, a small, Town. In fact, you know, his parents were, his dad actually had disappeared and run out and left his mom completely, left her on alone. loan. And it wasn't a marriage that her parents had approved of. And so she wasn't asking for a lot of help because they didn't want her to marry that guy in the first place. And And a lot of things happened, you know, and he was born into a horrible situation. And by the outside, you would think that there are too many limiting factors in his life that what he would be able to do and to what God would be able to do through him would be limited because of his circumstances. But this man's ministry changed the world. I mean, the, the list goes on and on of people that God has used to do things way beyond what anybody thought was possible. And the good news is we're not limited to what other people think, but you are limited to what you believe. You will be limited to how you see things and how you are able to, to view God's hand on you, his plan for your life, how you view it will determine how you proceed ahead. And that's the, that's the limitations. It's not on God's end. It's on our end. So when it comes to the issue of giving, there's nothing that's too great. Nothing that's not possible. There's nothing God can't do through you. If you'll be willing to give what you have and be used by him. So the last uh, uh, couple Sundays, you know, I, like I said this morning, I wasn't intending to uh, to do a series on, on what I've been talking about. You know, we were talking about vision. I really want to get into talking about vision of the church and what our vision is. And, and we all know the vision, Acts 26, uh, 16 through 18. We know this. We're going to go over it together. But I felt impressed to take a minute and just talk about vision in general. Uh, and, and then I didn't intend to, I intended to go straight to the vision of the church. But now we need to talk about the heavenly vision, how that applies to us and our place in that. And I just want us all to be on the same page so we know what we 're doing and, and kind of know where we 're going with some things, um, like I said, this is uh, uh, not something that I just came up with or something I felt like I just just you know a, 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 you know, a pastor 's soapbox you know that you want to get up and talk about but the reality is we 're needing some help we're need, we 're needing some some assistance around here what, what does that mean we 're needing people to see themselves see where they fit in the plan of God for this place. You know, what I said the, uh, the other last Sunday and this morning that our vision for our life has got to tie into it must tie into the heavenly vision and what God is doing in the earth. And that is specifically, specifically connected to local churches. Jesus said, he's building his church. We said last week, he said, I'll build my church and, and, and on this rock, you know, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not, will not prevail against it. Well, people say, well, yeah, I'm a part of that, but I'm a part of the universal church of God, or the universal church, God's church, you know, as a whole. And and there's no way to be connected to a universal church. You can be a part of it. But in a in a giving, in a in a in a sowing, and a using the things that God has placed in your life, if you're not tied to a local church, you really can't be doing anything of substance for the kingdom of God. Now you can pray, and that's important. You know, the Lord will lead you to pray for people in other places and other things, and that's a wonderful thing. But as far as Beyond that, and that's a valid ministry, that's a valid gift. But beyond that, there are other things we all have to offer, and you can't do that separate from the local church. People who don't believe in an organized religion don't want to be a part of a local church. They, they, they really, they want to live life and be unaccountable is really what it is. If you boil it down, want to be unaccountable, want to kind of do their thing and, and have their own ministry. And the Lord each of, has a ministry for each of us, but it's got to function and go through a local church. You notice in Revelations, uh, when Jesus, uh, addressed the letters to the seven churches, he didn't address a letter to the universal church. It was seven specific churches and he talked to the angels, which that is actually speaking of the pastor of that church. He directed to the pastor of the church, the, the repre- his representative to that church, and he gave specific details and he was intimately aware of every detail that was going on. When it talks about, you know, he walks amongst the seven candlesticks, he was actually referring to the fact that he knew every single detail personally Of that local body. And so the church in Laodicea and all these other places, he knew exactly what was going on. He knew what was happening in the people's lives. He knew the things. He knew their service. He knew their works. He knew all of these single details. Why? He's paying attention. He didn't write a generic. Jesus didn't have John write a generic address to the universal church. Now, obviously, instructions in the Bible are given universally, but when he addressed specific churches and things that they were doing, so we can see God's very aware of local churches, and he's aware of what's happening in local churches. And so, you know, like I said, it wasn't something that I just necessarily decided to just talk about, but I feel like it's something we need to address. We're needing to, do, to, to, to add, to strengthen uh, our, our base here, and to add to what God is doing, and every person has got a part to play in that. The good news, you think, well, I don't like the sound of that. That is great news to know that God entrusts you with a portion of his ministry. Jesus himself, we are fulfilling his ministry, and he's given parts of that to you. That he said, I'm going to give this to Joey, and this part, I'm not giving that to Julia. That She's got her own thing. They're going to have their own separate things, and yet they'll work together. And I've got something for you, and I've got something for you. And and all of these things will fit together so perfectly. And so it's a blessed thing to know you have a part, that God has something for you to do. But we're needing some assistance in some areas. You know, there's the 80-20 rule that's out there that 80% of the work uh, gets done by 20% of the people. Who, who's ever heard of the 80-20 rule? Everybody's heard of the 80-20 rule? And, you know, classically, in, in most organizations, the 80-20 rule uh, is the case, that 80% of the work, uh, it's kind of like even most churches even, 80% of the giving, 80% of the financial support, 80% of, the, of all of these different areas is generally done by 20% of the congregation. I'm happy to say that we don't have that number here. We have a much better participation and a much higher participation. And that's that really is a is a testament to the work that my parents have done all of these years. You know, and, and we want to make sure we give credit where credit is due. You know, they have they have championed this and they have taught us well. And we've always been a church that has had great participation historically and percentage wise. And we're not putting down other churches, just in general organizations, that's what they do. And, and statistically, if you talk to different pastors, that's generally, it runs the same 80, 20. Well, thank God we're doing better than that. But we're not at a hundred percent. We're 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 still at some varying range. And I don't know the number. I'm not gonna tell you what it is. And I'm not looking at the numbers. So I'm like, we're not like studying where are we at statistics. We're not doing all that, but we're doing much better than 80, 20, but there's still room to grow. There's still room to improve. There's still room to, uh, to, to up our game, so to speak, to, to move forward and to step up into different things. You know, I was talking to somebody, uh, recently and, and I'm not going to say their name. Uh, not going to say who it is, not a bad thing, but I'm not going to say who it is. But, and I, and I didn't, I didn't start teaching on this because of this, uh, this, this person, but we have a person in our church that has served, um, five times in the last eight services in a, in a department that keeps them out of service. So in five of the last eight services, they were not in service. They were serving in a department. And, you know, I appreciate a person's willingness to do that. But I just have to tell you, as your pastor, I don't like those numbers. You're, you're out more than 50% of the time. You're not in service. Uh, that's not a good thing. Now, now let me just say this. You know, whatever the Lord asks you to do, there are seasons. You go through different seasons. And if you are serving as unto the Lord, you don't have to worry about burnout. And and if you, if you'll serve with the, with the attitude that you are actually serving Jesus, when you serve, then, then you won't start getting frustrated and irritated with things. When we were in Tulsa, uh, Amy worked every Sunday morning for two years. She served with the, the children's department. I always get this wrong. What age group was it? Third grade. I always want to say second grade. So she was with the third grade every, every, every Sunday morning Now she got there for, we had school of the Bible in the mornings, um, like a Sunday school class, we had school of the Bible. So all the different departments would meet. You served during school of the Bible and all the way through service. And so, what time did you get there every week? Like so she got there at eight thirty to twelve thirty. She served every Sunday morning for two years, eight thirty to twelve thirty. That's a lot. And then she helped out on Wednesday nights. Now, I, I served in the in the youth Sunday mornings. We had our Sunday morning school of the Bible and then I served every Wednesday night with the teenagers and so I did that every 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 week for 2 years and she actually helped out the youth pastors Dean and Kim Hawks she helped them with their kids we just saw a need that Kim was running around for service trying to get her kids here and kids there and and now now we've had three of our own we realized that that was a lot for them and so I told Amy I said you know w- that's something we can do we can do that to help help them out and and you know we weren't doing it to get favor or to any other we didn't have any kind of ulterior motive or agenda behind it. I just told her, I said, and told him, I said, listen, you know, I grew up in the ministry and I know how this is and you know, you need some help. So Amy's trustworthy. She just got out of prison a few months ago, but she's, she's worked. She's, she's, her criminal record's not too bad. You know, she's only killed like four or five young children. So she's okay. Uh, I said, no, you know, she, she works. She's been approved. She's an approved children's worker. And, and, you know, we just want to be a blessing to you. So Amy's like, listen, don't. Don't worry about anything. I'll just take care of it. She would go to the house and pick the kids up from their house and then take care of them until service was over, take them to their classrooms. And then after service, go pick their kids up and take, bring them back to either take them home or, huh? (laughs) I won't say that they, they were, they were, they were a fun group of kids. Anyway, we'll just say that they, they were, they were a bit wild, but anyway, uh, so she did that for two years. And so, you know, on the, on the, on the, in the, just at the, on the service, it can appear that that'd be too much. But, you know, we did it just because we're doing this as unto the Lord, and we're, we're going to sow for the future, and we knew that this would just be a great thing to do. Well, you know, it's not too much when you do things with the right heart and the right attitude, but, you know, this person has, been, has served five times in the last eight services, and, you know, as a pastor, I also want to protect people so that people aren't being overburdened. And there's not too many things going on. Of course, I know we're moving into the summer season and, and typically people are out. We want people to go on vacation, have a great vacation, enjoy yourself, uh, just come back when you're done, you know, and, and, uh, but, but have a good time. Uh, I will, I said this last week, I'll say it again. Just cause you go on vacation, still pay your tithe cause, you know, it's still the Lord's money. But, um, anyway, uh, I didn't get but one or two amens on that one. I guess we need to move along. Yeah, but that's my spending cash. Well, don't spend the Lord's money. But anyway. Uh, you know, we, we want to make sure that, that we are, we are protecting people and that we are putting the right thing out there. And so we're needing some help along, along those terms. And so, you know, we're wanting to cast some vision. We're wanting people to begin to take a step back and to see, take an honest assessment. Where do I fit? What does God have for me? What can I do to serve? What can I give? What can I give of myself? What can I do? Because, you know, God rewards that. God's a giver. It's in our nature to be givers as well. You know, we have a big vision. We have a big vision ahead of us and a lot of things that God has called us to do. And we're going to need assistance to accomplish that. You know, I was thinking this afternoon, uh, any big vision, if you're going to accomplish it, you need to get ready for it. And, you know, what's the best time to prepare for a big vision? After, once it's here and you have to do it, right? And you're, you're, you're kind of stuck. What's the, is that the best way to do it? Aren't you glad Noah thought ahead, right? Or that rather God thought ahead for Noah's sake. He didn't wait until 10 minutes before it started raining. Hey, uh, Noah, by the way, sorry, I forgot to tell you. I don't want to overburden you, but you know, that dark cloud out there, you better get busy. He didn't do that. You know, he, he gave him a warning and he came to him almost a year, you know, a hundred years in advance and told him what was going to happen, and, and that was a choice Noah had to make. I mean, imagine being told that you, you need to start you need to change your life, and your life needs to start being donated or, or, or given in a completely different direction. Do you think Noah took him a second to, to wrap his mind around that? Uh, first of all, what's the flood? First of all, what what are you talking about? you know and then secondly. How big does this thing need to be, right? And and you need me to to collect what? And you need me to do, huh? You know, I'm sure he had those kind of questions. But God had let him see what was coming. But he had to start preparing. You know, I thought about the Shunammite woman in Kings. You know that that uh, uh, she prepared a room. She went to her husband and she said, "Listen, the prophet comes by here. Let's make him a room." And and she was she was helping her husband. She wasn't just let's make him a room on the wall, but let's let's put a bed in it. And and, and then, and this, and then let's put this in there. And then, and then let's put that in there. So she was listing all of these things and, and kind of like, you know, wives, she was talking him into it one step at a time. Okay, we'll do a room. And and we need to have a bed. Okay, we'll put a bed in there. And and we need a, you know, we need a, we need a refrigerator. Okay, we'll put a refrigerator in it. Well, and, and, and and he probably needs somewhere to put his clothes. Let's put, let's do, okay, we'll do that. Well, he, he he could, it would be nice to have a flat screen in there. Let's put that in there. So you know she talked to him into doing all those things well she prepared ahead of time and her preparation is the thing that i mean sh- her vision to serve and to give is actually set up the the very course of what god did in her life had they not done that you know when elisha showed up he's like he said what you know basically what can i do for you and she didn't have a son she didn't have a, didn't have a child so he, because of she prepared for him and she did something ahead of time and she gave of herself, God was able to take that gift and then do something with it. Well, we've got a, a big vision and things that God wants us to accomplish and we need to get ready ahead of time. We need, I said, we need to get ready ahead of time now. And I've said before, I, you know, I'm, I'm not putting a timestamp on what the Lord's going to do, but I do, I do know the vision he's given us the vision of our church isn't just a small vision, it's a large vision. And it, and it is a large vision. And it encompasses much more than what we've seen to this point. And that's the way God is. He, he's always thinking bigger than us. As big as we can think, ask Noah, right? Build a boat. I'm sure Noah thought I'll build, you know, a pontoon or something. He wasn't thinking that, you know, but the Lord spelled it out. This is what you need to do. His vision is always bigger than ours. Well, we have to prepare for these things. And so we started talking about, about, uh, about some of these things and, and, and discussing it. And, um, you know, like I said earlier, well, another reason to, and, I, and I'll just say another reason to, and you kind of get a, a little bit of a, an insight into how I think. I mean, you probably already know this, but I said earlier, God's a giver. He is a giver. He's not just a pay-up only God. He's a giver. He is a generous God. But, you know, there is a pay-up version inside of the Lord as well. You do know that, right? Go with me to 2 Corinthians. We'll put this on the screen. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. And this is in verses 9 through 11. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 11. And this is another reason why I believe this is important for us to talk about these things. It says, Therefore, we make it our aim whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. Yeah. Amen. That should be our aim, to be well-pleased. It means you can be pleasing or well-pleasing. Right. And just because you're pleasing doesn't mean you're well-pleasing. There, there's a difference. But it said, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him, not to others, but to God, for we, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. How many of how many, how many does that include? That, that includes all of us. And I'll just tell you, this, these are things that I think about. These are things I think about and, and things that often, that when I'm talking to the Lord about different things, I'm, I'm very aware of this. It says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, if you're born again, there's nothing to worry about. If you're, you're in Christ, that's not, a, that's not a bad thing. The judgment seat of Christ for believers is a wonderful thing. People say judgment seat and they think, oh, that doesn't sound good. It's actually a great thing for us. It's a wonderful thing. If we do things right, so if we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we all, but we are well known to God. And I also trust we are all, we are well known in your consciences. He said that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And so I'm always—it's just something that the Lord has dealt with me over the last many years. Just just thinking long term, life is short. You hear me? I pray about that a lot of times before we open service. I'll you know pray to let, help us vouch, number our days well, live our lives with purpose. You know, I, I, because that's something I think about, and it should be something that we all think about. It should be something that's on the forefront of our, of our minds because life here is very short. Life here is very, very temporary. And, you know, I'm, I'm personally excited when the day comes that, that either Jesus comes back or I get old and move on. I'm actually really looking forward to it, uh, because I realize there's a lot of living to come, but the living that I experience then is going to be a hundred percent, not where. Not the location of heaven or hell. That's settled. My trust is in Jesus. But what I'm doing in, the, in eternity, the things that are, that, are, that, are, that are entrusted to me is going to be entirely dependent upon what I do here and what I'm doing now. And as, as pastor, as the pastor here, I want to make sure that people are taking advantage of every single opportunity. And I know, I know it's something that can be sometimes annoying to people to hear. No one likes to hear things where responsibility is involved, right? I mean, nobody likes that. Everybody likes just to be free and just kind of, I mean, that's human nature. Jackie's like, well, I don't know about that. Well, if you're not Jackie, nobody else, you know, Jackie loves that. No, we all would prefer to hear about just puppies and kitties and just wonderful things, you know, and, but you know, there's another side. There's a work side, you know, I mean, who, who else getting up to go to work in the morning? That's a lot of hands. How many of you are super excited to get up and go to work in the morning? Well, a couple of people. Good, good. How many liars are we have in the house this night? No, I'm just kidding. No, I mean, did you raise your hand? Okay. <laughs> He's messing with me. But um, <laughs> no, it, you know, it's not just something that we all just necessarily love to do, but we know it's necessary and we do it. But we would all rather hear that we're, if I were to say, who's going on vacation tomorrow? Who's excited about that? Ooh, 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 yeah, you know you know work yeah I'm I'm happy to go to work vacation oh praise the baba. I'm going on vacation you know well because people are more interested in those kind of things and I know it can be can be frustrating sometimes to hear and I've even heard people say you know that the pastor puts pressure on people to do things well, the reality is we do need assistance in different things now to say this we're not desperate We'll never be desperate because God's always taken care of us. But if we're going to do it, if we're going to go where the Lord is calling us to go, we've got to get things in place and know what we're doing before we get there. Noah had to know how the door worked, not just build it, but get used to opening and closing it before it started raining. Right. He had to know where things were at. He had to know how it worked. He, had, he, he knew all of that and was comfortable with it before the rain ever started to fall. But we've got to get good at, at what we're doing as a congregation. And that's more than what Amy and I can do, our department directors can do, or that, or even, even what we have here tonight. We need everybody fulfilling their part. Remember, it's, it's when every part does its share, every part does its share, every part has a share and is doing its share. That's when it causes growth of the body. When people are, are serving five times in eight services, Thank God for that. You're, you're re, you're, 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 if you're doing it with the right heart, and, and I believe they are, right? You're receiving reward in heaven for faithfulness, but that's also being stretched really thin. You know, it's being stretched really thin. And I don't want anybody to feel guilty about anything, you know, and, 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 and if, and if you, if the Lord has been dealing with you or is trying to deal with you about stepping up in different areas, well, just be faithful to do what He asks. We're not putting pressure on anybody specifically. We're just saying, hey, listen, this is what the Word says. So we need that, but at the same point, I want people to, to stand before the Lord and have used their time well. I do. I mean, I want to, I want to stand before the Lord and have used my time well. I want to stand before the Lord and have used the, the, the vision, the plan he had for my life. I want to have been as faithful as I possibly could have been while I was here. Not perfect, but thank God for the grace of God, the mercy and grace of God. Not been perfect, but I'm endeavoring to follow that and he's gonna lead me every step of the way. And when I get get in the wrong area or get an attitude, he's gonna help get me back on track because my goal is to please him. And so, you know, we, we talk about these things because I want people to, to to, I would be a terrible pastor to not tell people, hey, Jesus is gonna ask you about this. To omit to those kind of things, to just miss out on, for fear of offending somebody, to just never talk about it, that's, that would be bad for you, but what he's called me to do, that's going to be bad for me, right? And totally selfish, like you don't even exist right now for my sake. I'm going to, I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to say those things because he's going to ask me, well, why didn't you talk about this? Why didn't you talk about that? When I, when I put this on your heart, why didn't you talk about it? Because it's for the church's benefit, but it's for the individual's benefit. So we need to uh, uh to to help one another and to have an environment where where um uh, uh we're encouraging these kind of things and we need your help. You know, you say, well, what can I do? What can I do as as church member? What can I do? You know, maybe you're a department director, maybe you're serving somewhere, maybe you're not serving anywhere, you know, but you but God's dealing with you. What can you do? You can encourage people to take a step up. You can encourage people to take a step up. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 2, we'll look at this. You can encourage people to be the believer that God has created them to be. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 21, it says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself of the latter, he'll be a vessel for honor, sanctified, and useful for the master prepared for every good work you can encourage people to yield to the direction of the spirit what the lord is telling them to do through his word and what he's leading them to do you can help people if they're not in a position where they're being faithful you can encourage them to be faithful you know that's not just the pastor's job to encourage people that's all of our jobs to 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 help and to encourage to Create an environment where people can begin to step into things. It's if you hurt your body, if you hurt something, it's the entire body begins to help, shelter, aid, support until that part can get strong and and find its way and start being able to carry its own weight. The whole body chips in. It's not just the head, it's the whole body that chips in. And so you can be an encouragement to people uh, uh, when we talk about these things. You can talk, you can encourage them. I'm sure, I, I'm, I'm under no illusion that there's probably been some comments about, I wish we'd move on to a different topic because I've heard those things before myself, you know? And the best thing you can do when you hear it well is I thank God. If, if you're serving the Lord and if you're serving as unto the Lord and you realize that there is reward for you for doing so and that you're helping strengthen the body and it's coming from your heart, there should be excitement when you do serve. You know, I enjoyed the two years at Rama. We loved it. It was so much fun. Was it? Was it sometimes a little taxing to rush straight there from work and not go home and not eat, not do anything, just go straight to to to, to you know to the church and get in for our pre-service leaders meetings and all of those things? Was it easy for Amy to serve every every single Sunday for two years, eight thirty to twelve thirty? Was it necessarily easy? But no. But it was exciting to us. Was it exciting to wrangle kids? No. Was it exciting to, no, but, but the fact that we were serving the master, that we were involved in the work of the ministry there, that we were, we were giving of what we had. We were giving financially, but we were giving of our time, our talents. It was exciting to us. I can tell you, God has blessed us immensely because of it. When we, now we, our relationship with, with, with Dean and Kim, when we were at Rama, we didn't do it with any kind of ulterior motives. We didn't start, we didn't, I didn't serve in there. Ramah's such a strange uh, uh, place. I had to, you had to apply to work with the teenagers. Actually, I had an application process. You had to go through and they interviewed people. We had, the, the senior high had 450 high school students in the senior high. And I don't know, how, how many was in the junior high when you were there? 275. Steve was in the junior side. I was in the, the, the higher version. But anyway, no, he served with the junior high. Seventh and eighth grade. That's why it's just two years. I was with the ninth through twelfth, so we had about four hundred fifty teenagers. And um, when I went in, uh, we had I was I I was interviewed. I think six or eight other people were interviewed with me, and um, it was such a strange environment. You have all the students show up, and everybody's wanting to get involved. So we all were. You know, we all made it through the interview process. After two months, I was the last one there, of my group. The other seven quit. So it was eight of us, and and after, I mean it didn't take two months. They were all gone. I was still there. But because, you know, it became too much for people. They they just didn't want to make didn't want to make the 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 commitment. Well we did it and and we were, you know, I wasn't doing it to prove actually I did at one point I did make a decision to make a point in my serving. Because, you know, when you have 250 or 450 teenagers that are there and the and the the crew the the helps team cycles out every 2 years you, teenagers don't necessarily want to get to know you cuz you are you're, you're probably not going to be here and most of them don't even make it 2 months so why I'm not even going to be nice to you they and they were They had, they had no time to even talk to us. The other staff in there, they were mean to us. They wouldn't even recognize us. And I'm like, you're not running me off. Like, I'm, I'm gonna make it. You're not running me off. I can tell you what, I can outlast you all. And so there was a little bit of that competitive nature in me. You know, I don't care how mean you are, I'm gonna be here. And, and eventually they realized this guy's not going anywhere. We'll start being nice to him. We don't have that here in case we, we don't, we, that's not the way it is here. But as a term, we're gonna do it. Well, she was determined to help. We just decided to do it. You know, when we left Tulsa, we we showed up there with a pull behind U haul trailer. You know, the, the the ones you pull behind your your car. We left. We we went there with that. We were recently married, only married two years when when we went to Tulsa. Married two years. You know, you have early matrimony furniture. You know, they weren't they weren't. It wasn't the things we were taking with us. You know, we just hey, we'll just leave it here, and you know that's fine. And so. We went to Tulsa, didn't have a whole lot. We left with a 25-foot U-Haul trailer loaded full of furniture. And we were barely working, just working just enough to eat and pay for school, you know, because we're busy serving doing all these things. Because our heart was right, God just blessed us. And guess who gave us all this furniture? Dean and Kim did. They gave us all of this stuff, just, I mean, like really nice high end stuff that they were like, you know, we're, we're going to redo our house. Do you want all this? You want all this furniture? And they would let us come spend the night at their house. Like they'd go out of town. Hey, you guys want a house set for us? They wouldn't leave the kids that they take the kids with them. And we just have this huge house to ourselves, you know, or like, this is awesome. Didn't ask for it. God just blessed us. But it happened because we were just doing what we could do and just responding what the Lord prompted us to do. And I'm not saying you get involved, you're going to get a brand new house full of furniture. What I'm saying is God will bless you. God will reward your time. He might bless you the whole, who knows what he would do, but just as unto the Lord, he's going to bless you. But you know, we, we want to, we want to, I don't have got off on that, but, but we want to make sure we're encouraging people to to make the adjustments that are necessary in life because God wants to do something for them God wants to be good to them God wants to bless people serving is not a drag it's a wonderful thing it's an avenue of obedience that God will move in your life through if, if you'll get involved but people gotta see it they have to see there's something there there's something in it that, that yes you're honoring God but God will be if you'll be faithful God will be faithful to you so you can help us in these different areas and, and, and by encouraging people, number one, glad, or, or number two, gladly serve when you're serving, be happy to serve, right? Oh, yeah. Come join the primary department. Huh? It's great. <laughs> that, that's not what we need. We want people who are excited about where they're serving, you know, whether you're excited or not, that's a choice, you know, Oh, join the ushers. Zach's a, Zach's awful. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we, yeah. Please come replace me. Don't do that. You know? <laughs> But, but be excited about what the Lord is asking you to do, right? You can be, you can be grateful and happy to be anywhere you want to be. We could have just as easily, during all those times, been, been upset and aggravated. And we wouldn't have received the benefit of it. God wouldn't have been able to bless us. we made a choice. We're going to have fun with it. And we had fun with it. Because our hearts were right. We're, we're endeavoring to do it as unto the Lord. So be glad where you're serving. Be glad where the Lord has you. Uh, Serve the Lord because you love him and he's thankful for all that he's done for you and start and continue expressing uh, uh, the fact that you're blessed to be tied to that and you're blessed what God is doing. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter nine, uh, verse seven. 2 Corinthians nine, seven. Any giving that you do in any area of your life should not be under compulsion. Anything that you're doing, anything that you're giving should never be done because you have to do it. You feel like you have to do it. Understand, we're not saying you have to do anything. And we're not saying if you don't, you're going, we're going under. We're not saying that at all. We will always go over. If people don't give, we're going over. If people don't serve, we're going over. God will always supply everything we need because he's faithful to this church. He always has and he always will be. I, I'm, I'm convinced of that. I know we've seen it for 43 years. God will continue to be faithful. But in 2 Corinthians 9, my dad read this for years when he took up the offering, received the offering. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, it said, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity for what? God loves a Cheerful. cheerful giver. Giving includes your finances, but also your time, your energy, your talents, all of those things. But notice God loves a cheerful giver. And he said not to give under compulsion because you're being forced into it. If you need to make an adjustment in where you're coming from, make the adjustment. If you need to make an adjustment in why, why are you serving where you're serving? Why are you doing these things? Now, I'm not saying to quit, quit it. I'm just saying, uh, uh, look at why you're doing it. Don't quit doing a good thing. Just analyze why am I doing it and make sure that I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to do it because my heart's in it. I'm going to do it as unto the Lord. He's done so much for me. This is the least that I can do for him. Really, that's the case. It is the least we can do for him. I I thought about this. If the Lord required us to 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 to, you know to howl like a dog every day for three hours at two thirteen in the afternoon, you got to start howling like a dog for three hours. And if it was the difference between life and death, blessing and cursing, how many many howlers we have in the room? I mean, we would do it, right? We we would whatever. That's not what he's asking for. He's not asking for all of those things. I thought about Buddhist, Buddhist monks. They take a vow of of silence. They're not allowed to speak because if you talk a lot, you know that 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 that's not good. They also take a vow of poverty because poor people. If you're poor, then you don't have access to sinful things. So uh, you take a vow of poverty. They take all kinds of different vows that they do, and they do it because they're trying to earn something. They're, they're, they're trying to, they're trying to prove their worth. They're trying to, they're putting forth all that. God doesn't require that of us. I think he didn't require that of us at all, but it's a, it's a horrible thing to think that many believers are less committed to what's real into a real Jesus who shed his blood than Buddhists are to a religion that's sending them straight to hell. Right? We ought to, we, we're, we know the truth. Let's live that way. Whatever he asks us to do, let's get our heart right. Let's do what he's asking. Let's get on board with what he's calling us to do. Amen? During messages like the last two Sundays, breathe. Smile. Be happy. Don't make me get a board out and scare you, right? I mean, you know, if you missed the, uh, the illustration I had, you know. Just, just be excited about it. It'll be a help to us. Pray for one another. And this is really the big thing. On the last uh, couple months, not couple, but... Three or four Monday nights, I guess. Now we're going to do this again tomorrow night. I know not everybody can come to prayer on Monday night. And that's fine. If you can't come, you can't come. But I hope you're all praying people. And, and if you're not, that's, an, that's a part of giving. Prayer is a huge part of who we are. I know I said this morning, sometimes you're in different stages of life and different things are going on. And the, the, the time, not just, not just what's convenient, just what you have sometimes is just limited. And, um, uh, different things can be going on. And so you may not be able to come to Monday night, may not be able to, to, to serve in different capacities. Everybody can pray. I said, everybody can spend time in prayer. And so that's something that you can do for, for the body for us during, during all of this and all these times is pray for the church, pray for one another on Monday nights. We've been spending time praying for our church. We've been praying for our church members. We've been doing this for the last several weeks, lifting, lifting up this church, this congregation lifting them. why? Because we're making power available and we're, we're praying that God would grant to them wisdom, that a spirit of wisdom and revelation, Ephesians prayers, we're praying those prayers over them. We're praying prayers out of Colossians, out of Philippians. We're believing God together that the Lord is bringing things to our, our, our remembrance, making things real to us, alive to us uh, as a congregation so that so we can all continue to grow. So in these things, we ask, pray with us. Be believing God with us. You know, I said before, we have a big vision, a lot of things to accomplish. We need people to get involved, get on board with what God's calling us to do. Well, the biggest thing we can do to help would be to pray for one another. Anybody anybody know that's true? The reality is you're here because somebody at some point prayed for you. You're here because somebody spent some time. At some point, it could have been generations ago, somebody sought the Lord on your behalf. Well, no, I was here because my parents. No, well, then somebody prayed for them. And they were also praying for you in the process. I mean, it's all tied together. It is a vital part of this. In fact, Jesus is praying for you. You know, do you think that makes some power available for you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we can do that for one another. So help us pray for the church. Uh, we've been we've we've looked at these scriptures on on Monday night. Ephesians prayers, Ephesians chapter one fifteen. Uh, we've looked at uh, Ephesians. Uh, Well, that's 15 through 21. We prayed Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. You can write these down, or unless you have a a photographic memory, you can just memorize them. (laughs) That's not me. Uh, Colossians 1, 9 through 14. I love these verses. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spirit, wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That scripture is one that I pray for myself. I pray for this church. I pray for you guys. We're praying over our kids. We want them to be filled with the knowledge of God to walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. That's my desire. That should be our desire for what. That's part of the body taking care of each other. That's what each part can do to help one another. So I ask you to pray with us. Philippians 1, 3 through 6, great scriptures as well. Uh, You can be praying those over over the church with us as well. Well, praise God. It's 8 o'clock. I'm I'm endeavoring to, to, unless we feel like we have to, to to get out at 8 as close as I can. But um, let's stand with me. Hallelujah. It's such an important thing that we do. I need to give Mike a warning. He's running up there every single week, letting Mike get his uh, his his uh, calisthenics in or something this evening. Can you do that again? Can you come down and run back up? No, I'm just kidding. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. Now we're excited for what God's doing in us, and you know, I'm 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 personally really excited to to, to move ahead a few years into the future and see what God's doing through you guys. I'm excited to see what the Lord has for us down the road. I mean, we're we're, we're going to be growing together with him. I'm excited that I, I'll, I'll be a better preacher. And y'all, y'all are excited about that too, right? I, I only got a few amens, right? I'm excited that Steve will be a better worship leader. Oh, now, nothing's too big for God, right? So... Now, I'm excited to see that what the Lord does in us. And I'm excited to see these things take place. But in order for those things to happen, we have to, we have to step up to the plate. You know, we we have to give him something to work with. We have to start moving with him. If we'll do it, God is faithful. He will not leave us where we are. He'll not leave us in the place we're at. He won't leave us with, he he will continue to mold and fashion and grow and develop those things in us. I mean, our vision will get clear. God's vision for us will get clear as individuals and as a church. I mean, great things are ahead, but we, as a body, we have to start moving in that direction. And so I'm believing God for that. And I ask you guys to be believing with me. I believe he's faithful to his word, amen.